Collective Two's Top Trader Radio. For each week, we bring you in-depth conversations and insights from standout strategy managers featured on the C2 platform with your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Collective Two's Top Trader Radio. I'm Charlie Wright. We're very pleased you've joined us today and we'd like to welcome our guest, Richard Metzger, lead developer and founder of Algorithmic Trading. He speaks to us from the headquarters just outside of Boise, Idaho. Richard, welcome to Collective Two's Top Trader Radio. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be on. So, Richard, your background is that of a logic design engineer. You were with uh, Hewlett-Packard, Intel, Qualcomm, and other companies. Uh, you should be the perfect fit for quantitative or mechanical trading due to your background and expertise in mathematics and other things. Uh, you've been offering your trading st systems to the public since 2013, you, but you've been trading the market since 2001. You trade the S&P minis and the 10-year note. You're a firm believer in quantitative trading versus discretionary trading. So briefly describe your background as a logic design engineer and your work in developing your algorithms for us. Will you, Richard? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, so I graduated Boise State in 2001 with an electrical engineering degree, and I had an emphasis in computer science as well. And when I left uh, the university, my first job was with Hewlett Packard. And so I was what's called a, an ASIC design engineer, which is really just a logic design engineer. So I, I was lucky enough to get on a design team and, and help design uh, logic that goes in chips that run in HP's printers. Um, did that for about three years and then uh, decided to move out to Colorado and worked at a, another chip company out there um, called the test semiconductor and uh, was there for maybe about a year and then um, went to Intel out in Folsom and, and worked on next generation memory technology and then after that I started contracting as a logic design engineer I was highly specialized in that field and um, it, it was in a, a field that was in high demand so I I coded logic at Qualcomm. I worked at Cypress. So I, I kind of about every year I, I would I would move and take a new contract. And so around 2013 of August is when I decided to leave uh, the last company that I had worked for and um, and start this company. Um, the whole time throughout that period, I uh, was trading on the side. I, when I was in college around 2000, I, I had a I worked at a startup um, in Boise as a for an internship, and um, that's when I first got uh, maybe um, a brief glimpse into what the market is and how it works. Because it was it was in the around the time of the dot com bubble, and uh, all these engineers that were there saw their stock go from a dollar to a hundred dollars, and so a lot of them became. Um, you know, did really well off of that, and that that's when I, I first kind of got my attention and said, wow, that's kind of a neat deal, be an engineer and, and uh, uh, get in the right company and, and add value to it and be part of the growth in it. So Yeah, um, so, so Richard, I understand that uh, you created um, about 300 algorithms, but today you use less than 10 of those. So obviously, a lot of work, time, and energy, and testing has gone into your work. Uh, would you describe for us your current approach 
to trading and how you have developed that? Sure, sure. Yeah, so so as a discretionary trader initially, I kept uh, you know losing money basically. I mean, my emotions would get in the way of, of my trading, and um, and so I, I started getting into quantitative trading and started writing up algorithms. And um, over the course of a few years, I had coded you know over well about three hundred, maybe a little bit over than that. Some of them were derivatives of others, um, but I. Initially, I, I believed in all of them. You know, you'd code it up, you'd back test it, you'd have a great performance report. But as as I watched them trade live, I quickly realized that just having a good um, algorithm that's back tested with a good performance report really doesn't mean a lot. It's not until it, it trades live that you really see if you've over optimized it or if there's any issues with it. So of those 300, as as time went on and I started uh, realizing the hard way what makes a good trading system a good trading system, I came up with a, a, a list of about 16 um, design criteria. And using those uh, helped me filter out some of the, the good and the bad algorithms. So, for example, uh, um, being concerned about the over-optimization, we would I'd optimize on a instead of a real granular level, a more broad level. So instead of doing a stop every tick on the ES, I might do it every three ticks or every four or every maybe six. Um, also doing walk forward optimization. Um, you know, I can talk about all the, the different things we do all day, but it, it might just bore people. I don't know. <laughs> well, I understand, Richard, that you have uh, basically you, you've divided your analysis into two parts. Part one is the expected market condition over the coming few days, because that's the time period you look at over the next few days. And then number two, you have created algorithms to address three different kinds of market conditions, up, down, and uh, nowhere. And so uh, you look at those two things. Is that how you do it? Yeah, yeah. So so the way I look at the market is, you know, no one can predict with 100% certainty where the market's going to be going um, on any given day or month or year. It's all based on probabilities, in, in my opinion. So the way that, that I approach the market is I divide the market into three categories, either up, down, or sideways. And I have uh, you know, mathematical and you know, rigorous ways that I define that. And it's, it's basically if the S&P closes up by 30 points or more for any given month, then I count that as an up market. And so what I do is I then take an algorithm and I analyze its performance based on how it does in the back testing and up down or sideways in those three categories and that gives me kind of an expected um, value of how that algorithm will perform um, in live trades and so what I do is again I don't know if the market's going to go up down or sideways but I know it's going to be one of those and so I make sure that I have an algorithm that covers each one of those potential states and that's that's the basic approach that I take to the market and it's worked out really well. Okay, so 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 tell us now. You, you uh, originally uh, were trying to find a way to short the S and P five hundred, but then you discovered that you don't really need to do that because the S and P five hundred and the ten year note have an inverse correlation with each other, and so you can go along the ten year note when the S and P five hundred is falling, and that's really a preferable way to make money when the S and P is declining rather than trying to short. Tell us about that. Well, yeah. 
tell us how how you kind of came to that aha moment. Sure. Yeah. So uh, to when you have these three market states, what I found is that in down moving market states, which um, that that happens a third of the time based on how I define that, and it's when the S and P closes down by four points or more. I I found that there's a gap there in my original algorithms, um, and so I wanted to figure out a way to to profit when the market is going lower. And so obviously, I, I looked at shorting the S and P, and and we and 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 I did I do have a few algorithms that that can do that pretty well, but it still didn't have a real strong algorithm that could could handle that. And so somebody, um, actually a friend of mine, recommended I look at the 10-year note or maybe the 30-year, and that was kind of the aha moment. And so, as you said, the there is an inverse correlation, um, and it's it's about negative 30%. And so, um, so what we do instead of shorting the market is we will go along the 10-year note. And so think of it as two algorithms trading. One is buying the S&P, and the other one is buying the 10-year note. And when you put them together, it kind of covers all three of those states because the 10-year note also does well in sideways moving markets. And so you have the long S&P algo that does good when the market's going higher and okay when it goes sideways. And then you have the 10-year note that does good when the market goes lower or when it goes sideways. Very interesting. Yeah, and the real real effort involved is – for the most part, is trying to make sure that these algorithms don't lose too much in their in the villain states. So, in other words, when we're long the S and P, um, again, it, market could go up, down, or sideways. When it goes down, we want to make sure that that algorithm gets on the sideline, doesn't lose a lot, so that the gains from the tenure note will hopefully overwhelm any losses that we might see on our long S and P trade. And, and that's what we've all that's what now. we've all learned from the dot uh, uh, com bubble and from the uh, Great Recession starting in 2008 with the market meltdown. We need to take a, a short break here, Richard. This is very interesting. We want everybody to stay there. And when we come back, let's talk about why you're such a firm believer in algorithmic trading. Again, we're talking with Richard Metzger, lead developer and founder of Algorithmic Trading. Out of uh, Boise, Idaho, you're listening to Collective Two's Top Trader Radio, and we'll be right back. And we just want to remind you that uh, Top Trader Radio is brought to you by Collective Two, the world's largest automated trade-sharing marketplace. Great traders like our guest today ask Collective Two to track their brokerage results in real time. Then other investors can subscribe to these traders and automatically follow their trades in their own brokerage account. All pretty simple. Register for free at Collective2. That's collective with the number 2.com. And you, too, can browse hundreds of trading strategies, including full track records, detailed statistics, and experience the power of cloud-based trade-syncing technology for yourself. Experience it all, the power of peer-to-peer trading at Collective2.com. All right, back to Charlie and his guest. Thank you, Paul. Again, we're talking with Richard Metzger, lead developer and founder of Algorithmic Trading. So, Richard, uh, you've mentioned that you are a firm believer in algorithmic trading. You did discretionary trading for some period of time. Did not work out well for you at all. Why do you believe so firmly in algorithmic trading? Yeah, so um, there's actually 
quite a few reasons. I mean, that's really my passion. Um, with discretionary trading, it's how most traders start, obviously, and they get a book um, at Barnes and Nobles or wherever, and they they read it and they they think that they can go in and and just start trading and and draw lines and do really well. But what happens is um, the eyes can really deceive you, and so that's that's one problem that happens with uh, with this kind of trading. Um, so your eyes deceive you. you. You think you see patterns, and they don't really exist. With algorithmic trading, the numbers really don't lie, and it, it really forces you to define um, to define your 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 trading system in ways that you don't really think about when you're discretionary trading. Um, so you might look, oh well, I'll just put a stop somewhere in here. Well, with algorithmic trading, you have to define that in a way that can be repeated, and so you have to be very exact in in how you do it. Uh, it also allows you to take your emotions out of trading, which is one of the biggest things for me. Um, so most traders fail, and the reason why, and they'll tell you, is that they, they move their stops, they violate their rules, and you know they might their system might say to go long, but they're just too concerned so they don't place the trade or they're scared. With algorithmic trading, since the computer's placing the trades based on the algorithm, it just does it, and as long as you don't... Um, you know, override those signals, then it's going to place the trade that it, that it thinks it should. Um, yeah. Okay, well, thank you. You know, uh, algorithmic trading is uh, something that very few people understand, but you make a good case for the fact that it does force us to do things that can be very unproductive. And for many, if not most, traders are unproductive in moving forward. Let, let me go to your website here. You know, the, there are uh, misconceptions. We always like to ask our, our guests on Top Trader Radio what misconceptions do they see that many traders and in investors have in the marketplace? You actually address that on your website, and I'm going to read three different portions, and we'll stop after each one, and you can respond and tell us why you think this is a misconception or a mistake that traders make. Number one. You say, keep your algorithm as simple as possible. The fewer the indicators, the better. Tell us why. Yeah, the reason why is because um, if, if you think about any system, so let's say you have a moving average and you say, okay, I'm going to buy when the moving average is going higher. And then you, you code that up and you back test it as far back as you can go. Let's say you that that's simple enough, and now you have an amazing algorithm. Well, you you really don't need any more. But let's say you do that, and it's it's okay. It looks like it might be profitable, but there's some losing periods. So you go in and you look. Oh, an 08 that didn't really work so well. So then you add another indicator that says maybe well if the VIX is really high, then then it won't trade. So so now there's really two indicators. The VIX uh, has to be below a certain level, and the moving average has to be going higher. Um, that might fix that problem, but then it might introduce a new problem and that some of the winning trades in other periods go away. So then you look at it again and you add another indicator and another indicator. And before you know it, you really just have a system that is just um, over-optimized and pinpointing um, certain periods. And it's just uh, the result of over-optimization. It's similar to flipping a coin 100 times. You know, I could write an algorithm that would parse through, you know, heads, heads, tails, 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 heads, heads. And it might say, well, if you get a heads, heads, then uh, the next 
coin flip, it's more likely to be tails because in those hundred coin flips, that seemed to happen more often. But we all know that that's not a real pattern, that it's 50-50 every time. So most most uh, developers will tell you that the fewer the indicators, the better, something on the order of two, maybe three. Um, and and that's that also plays into the walk forward optimizations if, if you when you do the walk forward analysis, usually if, if you only have a couple indicators, then more than likely the walk forward will do well. You know, that's interesting because that's a bit contrarian with uh, the way many other uh, traders see things because I've interviewed several people who have said with great pride and wore it as a badge of honor that they have, you know, 155 factors uh, that they look at uh, or 47 factors and they've got all these different ways of looking at things, but but you've kind of taken the opposite uh, of uh, the simpler the better. They're very interesting. Number two, you say, be honest with yourself and try to prove your algorithm wrong. Don't get caught up in the emotions of thinking you found the Holy Grail. You really didn't because it doesn't exist. Tell us about that. Yeah, so um, that, that's another one that I, I kind of had to learn the hard way. So, um, Number one, you know, I, I don't believe that there's a holy grail trading system out there that'll just make money every day and, and just continue skyward without any drawdowns or any losses. Um, but what every developer is looking for is the closest thing to that that they can get. But in order to do that, you have to be brutally honest with yourself and with your algorithms. So, for example, I, I coded an algorithm once that looked at... Uh, it was basically four candles in a day, and I, I added, I think it was a MACD, a moving average, and the algorithm looked at every possible condition of the four candles plus the previous four candles plus uh, the, the MACD, uh, the histogram side of it, the moving average side, the moving average, and it, it, so it created you know, 128 possible states that the market could be in. And I thought, well, you know that and, and i optimized each one of those and the the optimization looked about like what a holy grail would look like but i i pretty quickly realized that again all i was doing was finding um you know the patterns in the coin flip and that when traded live that algorithm would not work at all um so it was just over optimized so um you have to be real with yourself and say well because it's tempting to say, well, this algorithm does good in bull markets and bad in bear markets, so I'll just turn it off when we go into the next bear market. But how do you know when the bear market has happened? You know, if there's a way for you to know, then you should be able to put that in the code. You know, so maybe it's a 200-day moving average. Okay, good. Put the 200-day moving average in the code, and if it's ticking lower, then uh, don't place any trades. Um, but what can happen is you do that. And then the performance just goes, you know, becomes horrible or just barely good. And so then you think, well, it's, it's okay. It's, it, you know, that was a weird fluke, the 08 bear market. And you kind of ignore it and just assume that, that it's not going to be a big deal. Um, so just being brutally honest is, is really uh, important, I think, and um, trying to prove it wrong, trying to figure out, you know, what might, what, what, what maybe I missed, you know, is there, um, it's it's actually pretty easy to write an algorithm that has an amazing performance report. What's hard is to to um, 
to really believe in that because because all it takes is one question mark to make you not really believe in it and then even after you've done all that you still want to see it trade live and um, you know maybe your fills aren't good maybe there's too much slippage you know we trade only the S&P in the 10-year because of the volume we do we just the even the Nasdaq e-minis are too illiquid for us to trade them and so we focus on you know the the big uh, you know the S&P e-minis and the 10-year note um, yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. And, and number three here, you say, and, and this is a very interesting point that can be applied to uh, many things in life. Always remember, don't let the perfect become the enemy of the sufficient. The biggest temptation one faces as a trading system developer is to create the perfect system. Tell yeah. Us about that. Yeah. That's that's one that. Uh, I think is really, really important. Um, and what I mean by that is if you go back to what I've already talked about, the fewer the indicators, the better. There's no such thing as a holy grail. Um, it's okay if your algorithm does good in up-moving markets and sideways, and maybe it does bad in down-moving markets. Just make sure you have an algorithm that does better than the, than the, uh, the negative um, like we do with the 10-year note. But what I mean is um, by don't let the uh, the perfect be the enemy of the sufficient or the good is that um, when you code an algorithm, and let's say you have a profit factor of 1.5, there's over you know 500 trades, it's back-tested as far back as you can go, it passes all the other requirements, it's always tempting to try to get that a little bit better. And But the only way to do that, again, is by adding more indicators, making it um, you know, more filters on it. And, and when you do that, you kind of plug one hole, but then the whole thing becomes a little more unstable because now it's, it's, it's just potentially over-optimized. Yeah. And so you have to be okay with a, a relatively good profit factor. And, and most people will say anything above 1.3. What I add to that is anything above 2.3, 2.5, um, is something that uh, in the back testing, not necessarily the live. So, like on Collective Two, I know we we post the uh, the live. That's that's different than the. I'm talking about the back tested. Um, sometimes the higher the profit factor is in the back testing, the uh, the less likely it's 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 a real algorithm yeah, that and, will actually do well. And I can see that. So, uh, a couple of uh, questions here. Uh, number one, your strategy has performed quite well as verified and confirmed by collective two system uh, how have you been able to exceed market returns and don't be modest here richard <laughs> yeah um no, i appreciate that and, and and we have done really well i mean these these algorithms have, have traded live for quite a while now um i i think that that you know for sure it's it's helped that the market has been steadily going higher um but in previous periods where the market has gone lower, we've also done well. In fact, one of our best periods was when, when the market had its last kind of minor correction. So um, I, I think the reason why is because of the methodology that we use. If, if the market is going higher, then our long ES algorithm does well, and the 10-year note is either on the side or, or maybe getting in as the market starts topping. And then as the market goes sideways, usually the tenure will start drifting higher. We might get stopped out of a few of the ES trades, but um, the the gains on the tenure, uh, typically not always, but will we'll exceed the losses that we might see on the stop out. 
And then once the market rolls over, then usually the tenure will take off. And, you know, of course, past performance is not indicative of future, but in, so far what we've seen is that the inverse correlation is held, the negative inverse correlation. Yeah. So I think that's why. Yeah. So, Richard, uh, a question we often ask is, uh, first of all, in your situation, this particularly applies. You've been a logic design engineer. Hewlett-Packard, Intel, Qualcomm, etc. You did not. You're not doing this because you can't find another job. Okay. You could be doing other things that would be, I'm sure, much less stressful, perhaps uh, less challenging, less difficult, more time for the family, etc. Why are you doing this? What you're doing today? Yeah. Great question. Um, you know, I as an engineer. Uh, you learn, and, and really what engineers are trained in is, is solving problems. Um, and when I was an engineer working at these companies, that's really what I enjoyed doing. So, they, you know, there's a problem with some logic or you have to debug a gate simulation or whatever. But um, that's always what, what kept my attention and I enjoyed. With the market, it's actually the biggest, most complicated problem, I think, or well, one of them that's out there that an engineer could potentially solve. So... I really uh, just enjoy solving problems and I have a passion for the market. And um, so I take a very analytical approach to solving the problem of the market. And, um, and I just, and, and the other thing, and, and I know this probably, um, well, I don't know how it'll sound, but I really do mean it that I enjoy um, helping people that are traders that might not be able to code, but they know that, well, they believe in, in that that is a good way to trade. They're tired of their emotions getting in the way. And I do enjoy that side of it. And, and of course, if, you know, if we take losses, you know, that's a heavy burden that I carry. But um, because of the success we've had, it's, you know, we have the majority of our customers are extremely happy. And so, you know, I enjoy helping people. I love trading. And um, and it's, it's a good little business that I can run. And we're really doing our best to take algorithmictrading.net into a, um, you know, well-known brand and a company known for providing quality algorithms um, for the retail trader. We also have CTAs that, that use our algorithms, um, family offices. So it's it's not just kind of retail traders, but, um, but yeah, I think that's the reason why. Okay. Well, thank you. So for those who would like to know more, where can they go? Yeah, so if you want to know more, you can you can go to our website, algorithmictrading.net, and we have a, a demo form, contact us form. You can call us, and one of our sales guys will reach out to you. Uh, we, we do have a, um, a, a special relationship with Collective2 that we, we recently added, um, and it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a private branding that we do. But you can, you can definitely trade the algorithms with your Collective2 account. Um, but you do need to reach out to us to get set up for that. And and the reason why we added Collective 2 was really to broaden out the number of, of brokers um, that, that we can support for international users, of, such as Canadians with interactive brokers. Yeah, just go to the website, algorithmictrading.net. I'd be happy to talk to you as well. Our sales guys, they can set up demos with me. And uh, also email's great. So, yeah. Okay, thank you. So final words for our listeners here, Richard. Yeah, I think the final word would just be, uh, um, you know, trading is a great uh, is a great hobby for a lot of people, and a lot of people dream of doing it full-time. Um, 
it's my opinion that uh, it is it is possible if you can if you can keep your emotions in check. Um, always keep learning. Be very skeptical of any uh, developer that that talks in very um, without a lot of detail. Um, you know, in other words, um, for me, when I when I hear people talking about, you know, you just draw this trend line and you put your stop somewhere around in here, and that does really well. I, I hear that so often, and I've actually coded algorithms based on things like that. And you you pretty quickly find out that once you start layering in details, that it uh, it might not be as good as, as as you originally thought. And so, just again, be honest with yourself. Um, define the algorithm or define the system and code it up if you can. It's really not too difficult to get started in with something like easy language. But uh, yeah, and and you know, trading is great and. Just keep learning. Um, keep being honest with yourself. Track your results. Uh, you know, put notes in your trades, and you know this worked because of this, or this didn't work because of that, or you know, rate your emotions on every trade. Maybe you can find a pattern that says if I'm if I'm super excited about a trade or 100% sure it's going to work, maybe every single time that's the one that fails. And when it's really hard to pull the trigger and you're sweating over a trade, maybe that's the one that really works well. So. You know, just do things like that, and then, uh, um, yeah, and keep at it. Richard, thank you very much for joining us today. This has been very interesting. We appreciate your insights, your honesty, and um, we'd like to offer our best wishes uh, to you and uh, Algorithmic Trading for continued success for you guys and for your clients. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. So again, we've been talking with Richard Metzger, lead developer and founder of Algorithmic Trading. You've been listening to Collective Two's Top Trader Radio. To access all of our interviews, go to collective2.com forward slash radio. That's collective2, the number 2.com forward slash radio. And this is Charlie Wright for Collective Two's Top Trader Radio, reminding you to trade like you mean it. Collective Two's Top Trader Radio is a production of OC Talk Radio and is provided for educational purposes only. Content of this program and the views of the guests should not be considered as recommendations by OC Talk Radio or investment advice from the host Charlie Wright or any other entity attached to this production. Investors should always consult qualified financial investment tax and legal professionals prior to any investing. 